Well, today as we work our way through the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, which we've started last week and will continue to go through for the following three Sundays, this is a chapter dedicated to the Eucharist, and I'd like to draw your attention to the part of our Gospel where our Lord says, Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life. Our Lord is speaking here about the Eucharist, but also in a more general sense, he's speaking about that which truly satisfies us as human beings. The image of food is very appropriate for this. Food goes into the depths of our body and fills up a cavity in its center. So also we should ask, what truly fills us up? What truly fulfills us as human beings? What satisfies us at the deepest levels of our being? This is all really just a way of asking, what makes us happy? What is true happiness? Even though everyone across the face of the earth wants happiness, not everyone knows what it is. Our Lord is here teaching us that our true happiness is God. So many people in their search for happiness merely labor for what our Lord is calling food that perishes. People set their hopes for happiness on wealth or a career or romance or health or education or relaxation or pleasure. So many people consciously or unconsciously make these things their, their supreme goal in life. Now, while all these things are good in their proper place, they are nonetheless food that perishes. Death brings an end to them all. The human soul, though, survives death. The human intellect has an infinite capacity for truth. The human heart, the human will, has an infinite capacity for goodness. Only God, who is eternal, only God, who is infinite truth, only God, who is infinite goodness, can satisfy the human soul and make it happy. Only God is that food that endures for eternal life. Any created thing that we could desire as good, as a source of happiness, is simply a tiny fragment of the goodness and the happiness that resides originally and ultimately in God. And here's a story that I think illustrates this quite well. There's an old man who was born and raised in the island of Crete, off the coast of Greece. In his youth, he had fought for Crete, he loved Crete. He would die for it. He also loved his fellow neighbors. And everyone else loved him too and regarded him as a true patriot. He was also a very pious man who often attended Mass and gave generously to the poor. And he had a great devotion to Our Lady. On his deathbed, the old man asked to be placed upon the soil of his beloved country. So they took him outside and laid him on the ground. Reaching over, he took a fistful of the soil 
of his islands, and he expired. Well, he immediately found himself before St. Peter at the gates of heaven. The old man was elated, and he tried to peer over St. Peter's shoulder and through the pearly gates to see what heaven looked like. Try as he might, though, he couldn't succeed in seeing anything. St. Peter said to him, Congratulations, sir, you have died in God's friendship. Enter into heaven and claim your reward. Very excitedly, the old man started forward, but as he approached the gates of heaven, he found something inhibiting him. He found he couldn't move forward. That's odd, said Peter. Did you bring anything with you? Well, yes, said the old man. I have in my hand my beloved island of Crete. Oh, I'm afraid we don't allow you to bring anything in here, said Peter. You'll have to leave that behind. What? cried the old man. I can't do that. This is Crete. This is my homeland. I've got it in my grasp and I'm not letting it go. I'm sorry, said Peter, but rules are rules. No baggage or souvenirs of any kind are allowed in here. Please dispose of your island in the receptacle provided. Never, said the old man. I won't leave my beloved Crete behind. Heaven would not be heaven to me if I couldn't have my homeland. So the old man sat down on the steps of heaven, folded his arms, and refused to budge. Well, St. Peter sighed and turned around to call upon someone who he thought might have a better chance of persuading the old guy. So out of the gates of heaven came St. Paul, who proceeded to preach a very eloquent sermon about the glories of heaven. Well, nothing even St. Paul could say changed the old man's mind. Finally, at their wit's end, St. Peter and St. Paul put their heads together and came up with an idea. Mary, they called out. So out of the gates of heaven came the Blessed Virgin, all radiant and immaculate. When the old man gazed upon the beauty of the Mother of God, his heart began to soften. His lips began to quiver and he lowered his head in her presence as a little child would who was ashamed of something bad he'd done. What's that? she asked, pointing to the old man's clenched hand. That is Crete, he said with tears in his eyes. It's my beloved island. It's the one thing I can't live without. Oh, she said, nodding and understanding. That sounds wonderful. Can I see? He hesitated, then reluctantly opened his hand to show her. By this point, the soil of Crete had lost all its moisture and was nothing more than dust. Mary, with a wise and knowing glance, looked at it and said, Hmm, that doesn't look like the island of Crete to me. It looks like dust. Why don't you let it go? The old man looked at her, then at the dust in his hand, slowly, painfully, with the tears rolling from his eyes, he turned his hand over and he let the dust fall away and scatter to the wind. 
Mary smiled, took him by the dusty hand that had held the soil of Crete, and with it led him through the gates of heaven. And the old man, as he finally gazed upon heaven, stopped, as though stricken with surprise, utter astonishment. Crete! Crete! My beloved homeland! My beloved Crete! My brothers and sisters, any good thing we could desire in this world gets its goodness and desirableness from God. And anything we've ever wanted in life, we will find in God. God alone can make us happy. Let's not miss our true happiness because we want to cling to just a small fraction of it. Now, I began this homily mentioning the Eucharist. How does all of this then tie into the Eucharist? Well, in Jesus Christ, God, the aim of all our strivings and hopes for happiness, became man and gave himself to us in the Eucharist. As we work our way towards our final destiny, as we work our way towards heaven, we have in the Eucharist a real anticipation of it. Under the appearance of food that perishes, God gives us the food that endures for eternal life. God gives us his very self.